couple of things. Um, somebody know the church phone number? 673-9366. See, I'm the pastor and I don't know it. But I will tell you something, that if you need me, if you call that number and someone's here, they will answer it and they know where to reach me. If no one is here, it will ring to my phone. And so if you need me, not just to say, hi, I was wondering if the weather's as good in Sacramento as it is here. <laughs> but but if, you, if you need your pastor quickly, feel free to call. Now, I might be in something that I can't immediately answer, but I do have a voicemail that gives me the text, so I don't even have to listen. It just pops up and says what you said. It'll mess up your name and what city you're from and all that, but I'll get a, a gist of what's happening. Uh, I, we want to be available for you. And uh, we're in a season of time that living here would be very, very challenging for us since six days a week we have obligations in the greater Sacramento area. But that doesn't mean we can't do well and be available uh, for our church family. So if you call the church number, it will forward right on through. And with this gentleman's help, by the end of today, if you want to e email me, it's a real tough one, mark, M-A-R-K, at therivers.org, will be an email that will come directly to me. And I would be delighted to, to hear from you if, if you have need, okay? Um, I would give you my home phone, but we don't have one. <laughs> And so you can call the church number, it forwards right on through, and that phone is on 24-7. Uh, it was very cute the other night. Uh, someone called the church because she used to attend the Foursquare Gospel Church in Susanville. And I said, well, that's wonderful. Anyway, she left a message and said, my daughter's sick, they've taken her to the hospital, they don't know what's wrong. Would you pray? And I was following Jill to the hydrogen station, and I said, I'm going to call that number back. And I called this dear sweet saint, and she said, well, I wasn't expecting a call. And I said, well, you got one. And so she told me the story that her daughter's had this flu, not the one that's flying over, but the one that's been here that's, by the way, far more dangerous than the one flying over. Thousands of people have died from the flu here in the United States. So anyway... She was telling me the story. I said, would it be okay if I prayed? She said, well, why certainly. And so I prayed a prayer and I was getting close to the fueling station. So it was an abbreviated version. And she said, I've never heard a prayer like that. I've learned so much from your prayer. And I thought, I should have written that down if it was that good. <laughs> if it was that good. And uh, she thanked me and hung up. And uh, I woke up Saturday morning and had a message back. I have great news. The doctors found out what was going on. And they'd been giving her the wrong stuff. And they've got the medicine changed. Thank you for that powerful prayer. So your phone call gets forwarded through. Jesus shows up wherever we are. Right? And so, are you okay with that? Yeah. And it's Mark, M-A-R-K, not C. 
And by the way, our last name is O'Connell. Keep us Irish. Don't make us MacConnell. You move us an island over to Scotland. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Do you have your uh, handouts this morning? I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, as I get older, things bug me more than they used to. Um, I, I have a hard time watching the news. I, I just do. I get it just. I just do. And so I try to stay on local news or, you know what, I, I read the Bible and it tells me all this stuff is going to happen, so it's not really news anyway, right? But yet I read the words of Jesus and I read the words of Scripture, and one of the greatest promises that we're given is the promise of peace. The promise of peace. And in the midst of turmoil, whether it's national or international. It seems like every week we have a crisis. We're in a trade war with this country or that country, or we're going to bomb this one or that one, or bless Britain's heart, the world's going to fall apart that they left the uh, European Union, and what are we going to do? And they had a big ceremony of taking down the Union Jack at the headquarters of the European Union, and the whole world's going to end, and British Isles are going to sink into the ocean. Um, some of you didn't even know that happened on January 31st. Uh, they have an 11-month cooling-off period in case they decide to change their mind. But, you know, that's all national and political, and, and you can look at our country, and our country is deeply divided along political lines and, and all of those things, and, and the lack of dignity and respect, and I'm not naming parties because they all lack dignity and respect, frankly. Um, it's sometimes, I like Lee Greenwood, I am proud to be an American, but I'm not necessarily proud of my government. Either side of the aisle, I'm just gonna tell you. Um, I know what my responsibility is, is to pray for those in authority over us, and I know that no one is in power unless God allows them to be in power. And so if your party's in, you can say, ah, God, put him there. And if your party's not in, and when it was in the last time, God, put him there. You know, it is. It's just, it, it is. All we are to do is to pray. So we do that. But peace becomes more than just political and geographic and, and all of those kinds of things. Peace becomes a personal thing. Um, you, you need peace in relationships. Uh, we spent yesterday, nearly canceled spending yesterday with our oldest daughter and son-in-law, and we met in the middle in Napa. And I'm grateful for a, a peaceful family. That is a huge gift. We, we spent the day together. It was fun. My oldest daughter is quirky. She has a very dry sense of humor. She has a sense of strategic timing. She holds things close to her vest and chooses to reveal them just when she wants to for maximum effect. Does she sound like anybody you might have met? <laughs> where she got all that from. Kind of sounds like me, huh? 
Yeah, she is me. Mini me, female version. Lindsay Diane. Uh, but but w- our family loves to be at Christmas. You know, we rented a cabin. We were all in a room. There was, yeah, yeah there was turmoil because we had four children, 10 to 1, age 1, and they're running everywhere. And it was Christmas, and you get that, right? But it was still peaceful. Um, I have worked in jobs that were peaceful. And I have worked in jobs that lack peace. I have been the favored child in an office, and I have been the... Thank you. Listen to what she said. That way it won't be on the recording in case anybody I work with is listening in. Right? But God comes and says, I have one of the greatest promises, and the promise is peace. Peace above your circumstance. Peace above the storms. Peace above the politics. Peace that it's all going to be all right. We've experienced that peace this last week. You know, when I told you last Sunday, or whenever it was, two Sundays ago, when Jill's father passed away. We were sad, and yet we weep for ourselves, but there's this sense of abiding peace that he is in the presence of God. And even though there's loss, the loss is ours. It's certainly not his. So let's talk about the promise of peace. Are you ready? Peace is defined as the non-warring condition of a group of nations or an agreement between antagonistic nations to end hostilities and abstain from future fighting. (laughs) Or how about this one? A state of mutual harmony between peoples or groups, or could we say especially in personal relations? Peace is freedom from civil commotion and violence of a community, public order and security. Well, you know what? The world has an idea of peace, and it's this. It's on my next slide. I'm going to cue you. It's a fragile, elusive, circumstantial sense of tranquility and well-being. Well, it is on the next slide. (laughs) It's all good. The world's peace is fragile. It's circumstantial. It's elusive. But Jesus has peace. And it's abiding, internal, trans-circumstantial sense of tranquility. It means this. One says, peace is based on my circumstance. The other is, my peace is over my circumstance. You You know, some days our checkbook doesn't bring peace because it's circumstantial. You know, like we came home from San Diego and we had to lay out $180 for a Roto-Rooter man because the blockage was five feet past the length of my personal snake. I wasn't counting on that as my February present but it was. Happy birthday to me. But you know, that just affects the checkbook, and that affects a sense of 
calmness for me. But Jesus' peace says, you know what, I'll give you peace that's even over what's going on in your checkbook. So let's first talk about the person of peace. Your first fill-in is Jesus personifies peace. Jesus personifies peace. In fact, I'd like you to write elsewhere in your notes that he is peace. He is peace. Now listen to what I'm saying. I didn't say to you, he brings peace. I said, he is peace. There's a difference. Peace is his nature. Did you catch that? Peace is his nature. So when Jesus shows up, it's not what he brings, it's what he is. See, if we said God brings love or shows love, then that means that there could be a day he chooses not to show it. But because he is it, he can't help it. It's his nature. Jesus shows up. Guess what shows up? Peace. Why? Because it's his nature. Can, can you catch that? I'm on the last point of my teaching already. We're, we're done at 5 to 11. <laughs> Jesus personifies peace. He is peace. Why? It was what was promised to us in Isaiah. We talked about this at Christmas. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he'll be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And if you wonder if the prince's kingdom is going to run out, it says his government and his peace will never end. Do you know that Jesus' be, Jesus' presence assures peace? His very presence. Do you know that Jesus can even be sleeping? You'll say, well, the Bible says he never sleeps or slumbers. That was God. I'm talking about the physical person of Jesus. Here's the story. Evening came. Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross the other side of the lake. They did this a lot. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. What do you think was going on in the boat at that point in time? Panic. Do you think there might have been some noise? Think who's in the boat. Peter. Does he ever open his mouth? James and John. Who said it? Sons of thunder. That doesn't mean they were guys with lightning bolts in their hands. It means they, they were quick-tempered and, and sharp-tongued. Do you think it was quiet? Not only do you have the storm, you have a bunch of people screaming. Especially when the water comes in to the boat. Go to the next slide, look at the next part of the verse. Jesus was sleeping. At the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Why was his head on a cushion? Because there was water in the boat. He might have sensed the water up against his head if it had been on the floor. 
I don't know about you, but this is an amazing story. This is the kind of sleep that I would like to have just once a week. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I, I mean, I knew I was teaching today. I knew I wasn't quite on my game. So I got up at 5 o'clock this morning because one of the things I'm trying to do for, for Dale and Catherine and everyone that's helping me here is bring next week's outline today. And I knew it wasn't done. And at 5 o'clock, a thought, not a storm, a thought that next week's outline isn't done went through my mind subconsciously. And the next thing I knew, I was awake. (laughs) And I didn't want to be awake. And actually, the thought started at 4. So I laid there till it got to 5. And I said, that's counted as a full night. And if I'm not getting ready at 7, I'm not here at 10. So I'll email it to you. Jesus is so amazing. There's noise. There's a storm. There's people screaming. There's water. And look at him. He's sleeping. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And the disciples woke him up shouting. Think about this. It's God. I'd be sorry to bother you. Not these guys. They woke him up. They woke him up shouting. And not, there's a storm. That I could even buy. But they're accusatory. Don't you care that we're going to drown? We don't give a rat's patootie about you, but we're going to drown. I mean, think about it. Is is that a tad self-centered? And Jesus, it says when. It didn't say immediately. So we don't know. He, He may have been really, he may have been dreaming about when they created the world or something. I don't know. It says when he woke up, he sat up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Silence, be still. You'll notice he didn't have to get out any kind of beads to count. <laughs> he didn't have to get the book of prayer, calming storms. In fact, if you look, he didn't even pray. Stop. Shut up. Be still. And I don't know if the be still was to the waves or to the disciples. <laughs> now, let me, let me give you something right here, okay? At no charge. This is extra. You get it, you guys aren't paying me anyway, so it's all good, right? I come free. Um, Think about it. In your life, sometimes you're facing storms. And the winds and the waves are coming at you. And those winds and waves can be words. 
Or you think you're going to make it. You think you're going to make it. Just, you're, you're paying your bills. You really think you're going to get the end of the month. And then that lady got up in church today and said, be faithful. And you know what? That, that was of the devil. And <laughs> she wasn't, by the way. But I know I wrote my tithe check this morning. It's like, really? You know, you hear the voices. There's a truth right here. When you're hearing voices that take away your peace, maybe quit praying and just say, shut up in Jesus' name. Why? Because when you invite Jesus into every circumstance, when he arrives, guess what he brings? Peace. Why? Because he is peace. Can you tell the cold meds have kicked in? (laughs) I don't think it's the cold meds. Second, we have the promise of peace. That one's already filled in. Isn't that great? And we have perfect peace. That's point A. Perfect peace. Isaiah 26 says, You will keep in perfect peace. Who? All. Who's all? Every one of us. All who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. The Passion Translation says, Perfect, absolute peace surrounds those whose imaginations are consumed with you. They confidently trust in you. Now, that word there in the Hebrew, the word peace, is shalom. You ever heard that? Shalom. In fact, shalom, if you go in to the Jewish communities or Jewish country, Israel, it's a greeting. Shalom. Coming in, shalom. Leaving, shalom. Kind of reminds me of the 70s. Those of you that aren't old enough, look it up. (laughs) Peace. 70s, late 60s. Usually said partially not there, if you know what I mean. In a haze. We often get the idea that, that shalom is that stuff that I talked about when I read that definition of peace earlier. Well, let me tell you, hang on, all right? And then I think you have a fill-in, but don't fill anything in yet, because I'll tell you when we're to the right one. Shalom can mean wholeness of life or body. It can mean right relationship or harmony between two parties or people. Look up Isaiah 54.10 for that one. It can mean prosperity, success, or fulfillment. Look in Leviticus 26, 3 through 6. Particularly, it says, the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest and the grape harvest will continue planting and you'll eat all the food. I will grant great peace, prosperity. That's what that means in that reference. It can mean victory over one's enemy or the absence of war. I already mentioned that it can be a greeting or a farewell. May your life be filled with shalom. Shalom in the Hebrew. Write this down, please. It means total well-being. It's not just the absence of conflict. 
When God says, I promised you shalom, I am promising you total well-being. Now, because we live in the Western civilization, we look at man as tripartite, three parts, spirit, soul, souls, the mind, emotions, and will, and body. And while those are certainly three functional areas and areas, and they kind of reflect the nature of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is a uniqueness that we lose in the Western world that the Hebrew mind understands. Just like we look at God as a trinity, they look at God as a unity. The Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Deuteronomy 6, 4. The Lord is one. We look at it and say, yeah, there's three persons in there, but somehow they're uniquely unified so that they think the same thoughts, they do the same things, they are the same way. In the Western world, we look at us as tripartite. Oh, your kidneys are acting up. Take a pill. And yet, the same people that give us the science for the pill will tell us that 80% of our physical maladies are caused by dysfunction in another area of our life. That's not a preacher number. That's a medical number. So when God comes and says, I promise you shalom, total well-being, here's what he's saying. I promise you a complete restored spirit in relationship with me. I promise you a whole soul. That's a healthy mind that can think. Balanced emotions, you can have them, but they don't run you. And a restored will that you can say yes to the things that are right and say no to the things that are wrong. And I'd sure take the nice body, too. <laughs> That's a work in progress. Luke 24, 36 says, while they were still discussing all of this, Jesus suddenly manifest right in the front of their eyes. Startled and terrified, the disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost. Standing there among them, he said, be at peace. I'm the living God, don't be afraid. That's a New Testament story. It's about a group of people that have just seen their leader killed and then seen him buried and now heard he was missing. That makes sense? That's the context of the verse that I just read. And so then somebody comes through the wall. And what's the first thing he has to say to them? Don't be afraid. Peace is here. Peace is here. Peace is here. That New Testament term... Irene has the same definitions as shalom. So what's he promises? Look at point B, an ever-increasing peace. 
an ever-increasing peace. Second Peter 1, 2 says, May God give you more and more grace. How many could use more and more grace? Yes. Yeah. And more and more peace as you grow in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Letter C, he gives us a perpetual peace. A peace that is determined by his presence and not the, listen to this, and not the urgency of our circumstance. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the God of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in most circumstances or most situations. It says, In every, thank you, every situation, the Lord be with you. Number three, let's talk about the power of peace. Do you know, did you know peace is the foundation of the kingdom of God? Look at the verse, it's in your notes, Romans 14, 17. It says, for the holy nation of God, some of you know that is the kingdom of God, is not food or drink, it's being right with God, that's righteousness. It is peace and joy given by the Spirit. You see, peace will always be an outcome of your right standing with God. Some of you know this verse. I put it in a different version so you wouldn't start singing the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. But that's the verse. The kingdom of God is not about your diet. It's not about what you consume in beverage. It's not about what you have. It's about being in right standing with God and the outcomes of his presence in your life are peace and joy. Romans chapter 5, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of something we did. No, because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Because of our faith, Jesus has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Why is that significant? Because the anger of God is now satisfied. I've had people say to me, Pastor, I don't get it. The God in the Old Testament, he's just mad all the time, and he's angry, and he's killing people and wiping them out. And then we get in the New Testament, is it even the same guy? Well, his sense of anger, or sense of justice and anger has been satisfied because he took it all out on Jesus. The punishment for all sin was taken out on Jesus. Daddy's not angry anymore. Many of us grew up with a picture of an angry daddy, some on this earth and some heavenly. The anger of God is satisfied. Those who believe in the Son will bask in eternal life, but those who disobey the Son will never experience life. They will only, they will know only God's lingering wrath. Letter B, we have peace with God through Jesus. This is the message of good news. That's the gospel for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Colossians 1, 19 through uh, 21 says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him, who's that? Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. 
He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. How? By means, dia, by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Letter C. We are offered the gift of peace. We are offered the gift of peace. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Spirit. The Passion Version of uh, John 14, 27 says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. And then he says, don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Troubled there in the Greek means to agitate, to cause inward commotion, to take away calmness of mind. Have, have you ever been troubled? Has that sense of trouble ever kept you awake? Or not let you go to sleep? Or has it so consumed your mind that you're doing something, but you don't know what you're doing because you're doing... Does that bug anybody? He said, I'm leaving you a gift. It's peace. In place of your trouble. In place of your anxiety. In place of your fear. In, face, in place of your turmoil. I give you the gift of peace. Now, I'm going to say something that I don't want to be viewed as harsh. Sometimes we don't have something because we haven't been willing to receive the gift. Sometimes we get where I'm agitated and I want to stay that way. I encourage you, it's a gift, open it. Receive it. The purpose of peace, point four. Psalms 29. This is the one who gives his strength and might to his people. This is the Lord giving us his kiss of peace. I love that verse. John 16 says it this way, but the time is coming and indeed it's here now. When you'll be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father's with me. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Meaning this. Why do we get peace? Because he overcame the world. Because everything that troubles us, everything that challenges us, he's defeated. And so when we move into him, we have his victory. When you're victorious, guess what you have? A sense of peace. God's peace guides us. God's peace guides us. Philippians 4. 
says, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Christ. This is the most important key that you could walk away with today. God uses peace to guide us. He guides us through peace. If you're wondering if you should do something and you're not at peace about it, you have the answer. Now, can I tell a personal story? And it's not to make us sound great. It's just something that we've learned after 38 years that when we follow the guidance of peace, it always works out better for us. In 2000, we built a home in Mather because it put us close to our kids' school, Capital Christian, and it put us close to our work in Folsom, and it kept our kids off the freeway. And it was a lot cheaper than Folsom. That's kind of my motivation. It was a lot cheaper than Folsom. Same house, about 100 grand less. I don't mind the drive, save the 100 grand. Five years later, across the street from us, across the main intersection, Sun, Sunrise Boulevard, a new subdivision went in, and they were building all single-story homes. This was in 2005. And we walked in and fell in love because everybody now wants open concept. And this house was open concept. You could see from sea to shining sea. <laughs> it was smaller than our home that we had, but it was all on one level and we're getting older and our kids, one was married and the other one was in college and we had two Yorkies, so they don't take up a lot of space. A lot of noise, but not a lot of space. And we both said, man, I'd love to own this home. So we go in and said, how much is it? And it was more than what we could sell our house for. And I thought, okay, we, our house value has to get to here because I'm not going to lose, I'm not going to add to debt. I'm, if we can move a straight across or maybe ours is worth more because it's bigger, okay. So we went back a couple years later, and while our house had now gained the value that we thought these were selling at, guess what? They kicked those up another hundred grand. And each time, one of us would kind of be, well, what? you know, let's go ahead and do it. You know, it's for our future, and we know it'll be investment, and it's only going to go up. Never did we agree. So guess what? We never bought the house. Well, then 2009 hit. And because we had been in our home at that point nearly a decade, even though our property values plummeted, we still stayed above where we started. So we were in good shape. But all our neighbors that had bought in later, they were dog paddling. And we were grateful that we weren't stuck with a home that had a $100,000 bigger mortgage. That now the value was two to 300000 below the price. We never had peace, so we didn't do it. You're going to have to help me with the year. Was it 15? 
September of 15, if I'm wrong by a year, somewhere in there, we went by again, and they were finally closing out. And they had four homes left. And they said, because of what's happened with the economy, we've taken this home that we really like, and they'd shrunk it a little bit. And suddenly, we were here. And we both felt peace. And so we went and signed papers. God uses peace to guide us. If you don't have a sense of peace about a decision, don't decide until you do. Yeah. Colossians. Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you were called as members in one body of believers, and be thankful to God always. Oh, you want to know the outcome of that story? We told our kids, our kids were not at peace. <laughs> because they were living with us, and we were selling their house. <laughs> but today they have peace because they live in that home. God worked it all out. When we tried, it would have been wrong, and we'd have been underwater, and I'd have had to work till I'm 75 or 80 to recover. But we listened to the guidance of peace. God guides by peace. I'm on the back page now. God's peace protects our minds from fear and anxiety. God's peace protects our minds from fear and anxiety. Philippians 4 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. That's all I need to read. Romans 8 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. C, God's peace is the purpose and platform for our service. God's peace is the purpose and platform for our service. God blesses those who work for peace, for they're called the children of God. Ephesians 6 tells us, as we prepare for battle, stand on your feet alert, then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. Luke 10, once you enter a house, speak to the people there and say, God's blessing of peace be upon this house. If a lover of peace resides there, your peace will rest on that household. But if you are rejected, your blessing of peace will come back. So you're not going to put something where it's not wanted. And point D, God's peace assures us victory. God's peace assures us victory. Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And oh, by the way, may the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you.
the promise of peace. It's given to all of us. How do we have it? We invite him there. going to stay on that okay so you can rest your hand I know I get, went through 20 slides in about five minutes <laughs> she volunteered four minutes before we started that, that was a marvelous job today thank you you this morning to look at those areas in your life where if, if we were having confession time you'd say pastor there's not peace there and I want to ask you as you identify those things to invite the Lord Jesus into those things And I know what you're thinking because I have these same thoughts. It's, Lord, I don't want to have peace there because I want to hold a grudge. I want to get them back. But the Lord says, forgive. And when you forgive, I'll be there. And guess what? My peace shows up. And it may not change them, but it'll certainly change you. For some of us, it's peace is financial. We look at the checkbook. We look at the bills. They never measure up the same. Invite Jesus into your money. Put him first in your money. And discover that he'll take what's less and make it more when you honor him with the first fruits. It's true. If there's areas in which your mind is anxious, have you invited Jesus to to change those thoughts. What, what are making your thoughts anxious? Change the input. I shared with you, for me right now, watching the news makes me anxious. So guess what? I don't watch the news. You'll say, well, Mark, you're ignorant and, and uninformed. And it's a blissful place to be. Because <laughs> I know Jesus is with me. <coughs> and I've lived long enough on this planet to to practice diving under our desk in case the Russians bombed us? I mean, think about the absurdity of that. Not them bombing, but diving under a desk. Like that's going to slow vaporization. I mean, think about it. But if we believe who God is and we believe his promises about us, then you know what? Oh, so I'm with God.
right? Jesus, let your peace rule over your people today in every area of their life as they invite your presence into those hidden areas where there's been anxiety, fear, distress. Let peace come as you come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I had fun today. Could you tell? Go home. Have a great, great week.